<laughs> so, uh, this is the uh, Game Day on Rocky Top Podcast, episode 187. Uh, that noise you just heard was, I think, a five-year-old uh, Ukrainian uh, who didn't want to go to bed upstairs. Um, so, uh, she may make an appearance through the ceiling here momentarily. Um, also, uh, we, as we were setting up for this, uh, our connection uh, kind of got a little funky once in a while. Um, I believe that's because we have um, a family of five uh, Ukrainians living with us, plus us, plus my father in the basement. So we got two TVs streaming video. Uh, the uh, 12-year-old boy is streaming video games, I am almost certain. And uh, uh, the father is watching uh, Russian movies or movies in Russian language. Uh, and we're streaming live to YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. So um, we're, we're, if we are stretching here is what I'm going to say. But um, if we get pixelated, if we freeze, if the audio turns, turns weird, just know that you are standing with the good people of Ukraine and making sacrifices for them. Um, so, uh, like I said, this is uh, the Game Day on Rocket Top podcast, episode 187. And uh, that's really all I have prepared um, because um, I've been like busy since uh, the game ended. And uh, so I just figured we'd spend the next 60 minutes talking about UT Martin and uh, how, you know, uh, how we're going to beat them. And no, we're not going to do any of that. We're not going to probably mention them again. Uh, this is supposed to be warm-ups, as you can see down there in the uh, little thing down there. So, by the way, um, I usually introduce Will by this time, and I've totally forgotten that. So this tells you how prepared I am. We're running the 15-second offense right now, except we don't do it like <laughs> Tennessee. All right. So this is Will. Will, how are you doing? You got something to say about warm-ups? I'm great. Well, I was going to say, first of all, I love that anybody, if they're watching this later, if 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 it actually started when it started, that the first thing – if you miss Joel being confused by the sound of what sounded like someone falling down upstairs in his house, I like that it also might just start with us laughing so hard because that is the perfect, like, that's pretty much maybe not your professional life or mine right, right now, but in UT, in UT fandom life, like, it's just, it's, it, last week's episode was things are pretty great and this week is just laughter. Just uh, laughter. Yeah. yeah, because they're really great. Well, and think about all the times, which which have not been many, but have been a handful where we've come on and we've made the joke about, well, this is episode 154 and we've been waiting for a conversation like this. And then either Tennessee lost that game <laughs> or, or, you know, just wasn't ready to take the next step. Yeah. Or whatever we said in, in 2016. But see now, like all that's there's such just a nice, tidy break. And for years, I think that is what Tennessee has needed is here's when it was good. Here's when it was bad. And the break we were looking for was supposed to just be, it ain't bad no more. But we we have jumped clear over that hurdle <laughs> into a whole other set of conversations that are frankly hilarious. So... Yep. Uh, yeah, laughter is, is a great thing. And, and let me say what I was going to say about warmups. Um, I was in the building, uh, Saturday night, a, a very, uh, an affirming week for anyone. If your household is like mine, where, uh, you've written a check for season tickets for a lot of years and you've, uh, you and and your uh, loved one or whoever else is in your in your bank account have looked at each other and made some deep eye contact before you sign the check uh, and all that's uh, a very gratifying experience and I mean I you know I'm I'm 41 I'm not a young man but you know if, if things go south for Tennessee for the rest of my life I'll think about you know, this is why you keep your tickets. This is why you hang on. This is why you stay with what's going on. 
and lots of people did that. What I was going to say is um, 25 minutes when the teams came off for warmups, 25 minutes before kickoff, teams come off, bands prior to the Southlands going into formation to start the pregame. There were more people in there, not just in the building, but in their seats. There were more people in their seats 25 minutes before kickoff than were present at entire games, uh, yeah. at least at the start of last year when only 82,000 came to the pit game. Uh, you know, not the COVID year, obviously, but I guarantee you there were more people in their seats ready to go 25 minutes before kickoff than were present for an entire game in multiple years. So people yeah. people were ready. Um, I've, I've made the joke with lots of my friends and will continue to make it that one of, the, one of the surest ways you knew we were back is the number of people who brought a cigar. People came prepared to win and we did. And it just, uh, it's just great. There may not be a lot of structure in these next uh, 60 minutes to six hours that we'll spend together. Cause we were saying we could talk about this game for years and not touch at all. Um, but it, it was, it's pretty great. Uh, and thankfully it is Tennessee Martin this week. So we can at least talk about this game for the rest of this one. Uh, before we move on to th that's that's the rite of passage that you you keep winning they keep getting bigger so um we'll i do not wish to uh i do not wish to intentionally disrespect the kentucky wildcats who last time they were in neyland stadium uh that was a very bad day uh but tennessee and georgia are one upset or a couple votes changing away from playing a one versus two game in three weeks. So like when we say even bigger things are out there, that would, that's, that would be the, the only other time Tennessee's played one versus two was in the national championship with Florida state. So like you keep winning, good stuff keeps happening to you. Speaking of uh, good stuff, uh, let's let, like, where are we going to start? Because there was, there was so much good stuff. There, were, I mean, like I said, I didn't come prepared, so I wrote it down. I was going to write it down on the computer, but every time I opened the tab, we both went kung fu, and uh, so we just we're going to have to. I'm going to have to engage. You know, you have you have a good memory, but me, uh, I'm going to have to actually work to keep it up in here. So let let's just count the ways. And I'll start because uh, you know you can you can hit clean up better than I can, so I'll get a base hit or two. You got you got uh, speed coming out of the gate, speed off guess, the, on the base path. Yeah, there we go. All right, so um, college game day, uh, second time this season, you had all those guys gushing. Now, usually when they go to a town, they're gonna say, "Oh, this is fantastic," but you could tell. From this, at least I think you could tell. Maybe it was just because I wanted to hear it, and that's what they do. But I think you could tell that this was really something special. Um, that they were surprised um, at just how good the atmosphere was there. You had Peyton Manning as a guest picker and playing off that new guy. Whoever that new guy is, I guess he's a former teammate of Manning. Um, I hadn't tuned in at all, all this season, so he was a surprise to me. Uh, but he's good. He's fun. Um, I'm, I'm enjoying listeners of our own podcast that might be that might be coming across this for the first time that are like, Joel doesn't know who Pat McAfee is. But I don't know. Long who Pat time McAfee. listeners and readers are like not surprised at all that Joel doesn't know who Pat McAfee is. So. <laughs> all right, so yeah. explain that to me just as a sidebar. McAfee was a he was a kicker, a punter at West Virginia, and then he was a he was a punter with at the Colts uh, with Manning. Okay. Uh, so he had a long and distinguished career as a as an NFL punter, and then in the last I don't know how many years it's been now has has remade himself post punting as just an entertaining uh, media mogul guy has has okay. got a. Uh, I mean, it just shows up in my Twitter feed. I, it, it, he's got a radio show deal with somebody that pays him a ton of money. 
Um, he's for, for wrestling fans in the crowd. He's on uh, SmackDown or not during college football season, but he's on oh. SmackDown on Friday nights. We've previously on this podcast played how many wrestlers can Joel name. Uh, we have too much to talk about with Alabama probably to play that game tonight. But um, and then yeah, now he's on now he's on game day every week. So yes, that's Pat McAfee. Now we have to see if Joel will come back from the frozen photo over there. Hmm. Looks like no. So that means I wonder if I can just sit here and keep talking to myself and you're going to hear any of this. Maybe I can pull us up on Twitter and see anybody can actually see me still talking. People that followed us for a long time would also not be surprised to be like, yeah, they're not, they don't have it put together on the podcast. <laughs> the whole theme of this is just laughter. Yep, just me. Joel's going to come back in just a second. In the meantime, we can talk about, like, McAfee's got a nice connection, too. That's, I think, in part how they got Bianca Belair on there. Um, on campus for that. Um, I didn't watch that one. Uh, I saw a clip of uh, Paul Feinbaum in a coffin. Don't know what the story was there, but that was cool. <laughs> Cool. Um, and uh, <clears throat> so that was just the pregame. Um, Josh Heupel said that the uh, Vol Walk was, um, you know, more than he ever could have expected. Um, so, hey, you're back. All right. Could could you hear me? Well, no. I, I could hear you at the end there talking about that. I have no idea like which one of us could be heard. When you go back and listen to this, one of us is going to be there and one of us is not going to be there. So I can't wait to see who that is. <laughs> so, um, all right. Then we get to the game and we have uh, number three versus number what we were six going in. Um, and we go out and we just, um, we storm out to a nice big lead. I don't know what's going through your mind at the time, but mine is we need, we're going to need a bigger lead, <laughs> you know, like the old jaws thing. Um, because, you know, they're coming back and then it turned into a tennis match. Um, and it had all the drama at the end. Um, Jalen Hyatt had five touchdown passes out of six catches uh for 207 yards i think i got that right um hendon hooker is now leading the heisman trophy watch list so as as the folks on uh source were joking this morning well now the question is, who's he going to finish second to? That's you right. Know? Yeah. Um, let's see what else we got. We got uh, um, a rushing the field, which if you have not seen a picture yet, you have to see the picture. Um, the postgame coverage, uh, when they went back to the studio at CBS, um, they just showed the stadium while the guys talked for 10 minutes and it was just incredible when they were talking about how incredible it was. This is once in a lifetime things we did on Sunday, on Saturday. Um, there is a very long list and I'll probably defer to you will on this of things that have not happened since before you were born maybe, or, <laughs> Uh, before your kids were born, uh, basically when I still had black hair, you know, uh, lots of lots of stuff like that. There were just just a a ton of things that were firsts, and the the number of superlatives what for this game is just it's it's almost innumerable. They just keep coming at you, so. 
I'm going to let you sweep up and I'm sure I missed a bunch. So what else, what else we got? No, I, those, those are all, I mean, it's the whole day and I, I've really enjoyed, uh, there are 101,000 people in there. People said, and I believe it haven't been in there that there were another 50,000 people just on campus. They do the watch party now in volunteer village where you can come and get, there's a great video on that where, you can come and get the ending spoiled for you where they're all looking at the screen, but the, the CBS feed is of course behind real life. So yeah. they, you know, they're, they're spoiled by the loud noise and then the fireworks coming from the stadium to know that the kick went in. That's a whole topic of, you know, if, if, if he had missed that kick or if it had just been, you know, three yards longer, and then we lost in overtime, we would be doing the Zapruder film imagery on, did that kick get blocked or not? Um, <laughs> there's another great, again, I'm sure if you're listening to this podcast, you're like me of like, there's a billion ways to interact with uh, post-game reactions and things like that through social media. And that part is entirely new. Yeah. Again, if you're if you're a young person, that, nothing will make you sound older than, you know, this is all back in my day stuff. But in 1998, there was no Jumbotron. So when he missed the kick, you didn't see it again till you got home. And you only saw it if you you probably didn't see it again until the next day, unless you saw it on the 2 a.m. Sports Center. So, uh, you know, there's there's a whole just 2022 versus 1998 component. But again, that's the thing. We open this by talking about we, we were never able to get separation from the, we were ever, we were never able to know that we were out of the wilderness. And now it's like, we went straight. From, I mean, there's lots of good book of Joshua analogies we could do here of like, they're coming out of the wilderness and they are taking the promised land and taking no prisoners that it's, it's just an incredible thing and the comparisons now, I, I thought we'd spend a lot of time this year. If Tennessee did a good job, we'd spend a lot of time this year talking about, all right, we've reached you know, nine and three. We've reached 2007, 2006 range. We're still not good enough to beat Alabama. We're still not good enough to beat Georgia. What's the next step for us? Like this, this is the step. This, this is it because right now, if you want to talk about the national championship, you can. Yeah, and that... the, the the structure is different since the last time we were good because now you've got a 14 playoff. If we lose to Georgia in a close game, if you want to talk about the national championship, you still can. So, I mean, it's it's just all that is on the table. You mentioned game day, and this is the last thing, because, again, we could talk about any one of these things for forever. Um. The most emotional I got, and you don't, you know, it, it, you don't get to pick like it, it sneaks up on you and, and these kinds of things. The most emotional I got the whole day was the opening. I, I was watching it on TV. I wasn't there. We had my nephew had his uh, his birthday party in the morning. Let me just say also, um, my son had his fifth birthday party the morning of the Florida game, and my nephew had his sixth birthday party the morning of this game. So the Shelton family. We're on a roll, baby. Uh, I got no birthdays in November in our household. So someone else throw a party for five to six year olds uh, the morning of the Georgia game and maybe we'll keep winning. But so I wasn't there. I was I was just watching it. But the opening of game day and like you said, they were just here. But that Florida game was so much about us, so much about Tennessee trying to do a thing and all that. And now even before we won this game now is, is about everything because Tennessee is back in that hunt. And it, it really made me emotional, not even watching the scene so much, but just listening to Reese Davis, who did a phenomenal job with this, listening to them talk about not just what this game used to mean, but what it means right now. And that sense of Tennessee being in the, biggest college football conversation you can be in. Um, 
And with game day, uh, it's such a stupid thing because I I don't I don't like country music. Please keep listening to this podcast, but I don't. Um, and so the the your opinion is wrong. Your, say what? Your opinion is wrong. It's okay. Yeah. Well, <laughs> but like the coming to your cité and all that stuff. Yeah. I, I yeah. don't care about that. But what I know is we used to be in that song. Yep. And then they took us out. Because we, Rocky Top, Tennessee didn't matter. And so I don't know why, man, but that was the most emotional I got all day was just watching that and then thinking about how long it had been since Tennessee was in the big conversation. And that that was before we won. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's – and we're even deeper in it now. So, um, again – a great week to be playing the Skyhawks of Tennessee Martin. So we can just continue to talk about these things. Yeah. Um, I'll add one more thing to the list. I, I don't know if you saw this or not, or caught my reference to it last night, which may not have been a good night to remind you of it, but um, it was, I think it was Jeremiah Crawford. You know what I'm talking about here? I do. Okay. So, so the guy, um, just in case anybody hasn't seen it, which, I'm sure you probably already have, but still let's talk about it because it was cool. Um, they're like in as close to a huddle as Tennessee ever really gets. <laughs> right. Right. And uh, Jeremiah Crawford just, he took a step just away from the huddle and he like just, just vomited um, this stream of Gatorade, I guess. Yeah, straight Gatorade. He's, that's what he called it earlier today on Twitter, straight Gatorade, which is not surprising. Yeah. <laughs> straight Gatorade. He just vomited it, right? He didn't bend over, <laughs> which you usually do. That's the proper form for puking, right? He just stood straight up and he puked it out his face mask. And then he looked at Alabama and he just nodded his head. He said, Yep. I just did that, and I got another 12 ounces of half-baked Gatorade with your number on it. <laughs> so yeah, that was so cool. That's that's yeah. what uh, we. Full disclosure: we were going to record this podcast last night, and we did not because I was throwing up. <laughs> and uh, that's what. Uh, shout out to uh, Chris Penley, former Rocky Top Talk writer, who when I said, "Hey, we're not going to do this tonight," that's the first thing he said is. If our offensive line can pull through this, you can too. So <laughs> I'm okay with not being as uh, as spry as those guys on uh, on bouncing back from that. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, um, let's talk about each some of these uh, highlights, just a uh, um, little more in depth. So we, we already talked a lot about game day in the pregame. And you started off by saying that everybody was ready 25 minutes beforehand, which means the digital ticketing process is probably working now. It wasn't yeah, for it the is. first game. Um, but um, you said everybody came prepared uh, with their cigars. So there was hope in their pockets and ready to go and not just in their minds. Right. Um but I didn't, I wasn't able to go. And uh, to be honest, um, even after the win that night, um, I needed a session or something because, because that was, everybody's talking about, oh, this is like once in a lifetime. And you know what? I, 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 I didn't see it. I wasn't there. And uh, I didn't go. I had a chance. I had tickets to the uh, 2007 James Will Hoyt, uh, Will Hoyt uh, redemption game. I didn't see that one either. Um, I was at 2016 Florida, so that was cool. But anyway, you could still feel through the television the atmosphere um, because it was orange out. It was pure orange. It looked awesome on TV. Um, you you saw everybody um, 
you know, storming the field afterwards. Um, and you just sat there and, and watched it happen. You, you knew what was happening. You watched the, the nobody hurt by the giant jagged piece of meth. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then you, you kind of laughed at it. Uh, well, what are they going to have to do uh, to uh, get that out of the stadium and into the river? Right. Uh, I don't know if you heard this on the uh, uh, Vols Network broadcast, but uh, they were just riffing because they were waiting forever for their regular post game. Um, so they were just sitting there talking the whole time. And, and Bob Kessling goes, "Yeah, so they uh, they 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 took the goalpost down, but they can't they can't get it through the through the portals or whatever he was calling them." He said, but I'm sure we got some engineering students down there working on that right now. <laughs> so, we, uh, uh, but anyway, yeah, the, 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 whole, the whole atmosphere was just great. So you tell me, and I'm going to plug my ears so it doesn't make me more depressed, just how good was the atmosphere when you were there? Well, I, I'll say this. I was going to make this point earlier. Even, even for people that weren't there, uh, whether it's the people in Vol Village or just people that are watching at home or, or people that have got, you know, great televisions and, and all that good stuff. Um, one like this, there's such a shared communal experience with it. Um, I, I really learned this a lot. Uh, man, I, in 98, I was a senior in high school and um, I was f extraordinarily fortunate to get to go out and, and be at the national championship game. I had nothing to do with that. Shout out to my parents. You know, I wasn't out there mowing lawns to try to pay off tickets or anything like that. I just, I just, you know, I'm very fortunate, blessed, lucky, whatever to be able to have been there. But that when we won, um, I really enjoyed hearing from my friends who were back home and many of them who were together watching the game. And like, that was a whole other you know, I, I, I didn't get to be with them, you know? So like it was, there was a whole other side of that and big, big, big wins like this, um, you know, wherever you were and whatever you were doing, I, I think it still really resonates. Uh, you know, I, 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 not to make this whole thing too much about us or anything like that, but I, you know, I started, I'm sitting here talking to you on a podcast right now because I started writing a blog when I left Knoxville and lived by myself and, you know, was looking for ways to connect. And so we did you know, some of those, I was, I was at like some of the big wins early when I was blogging, but you know, when we had 13 men on the field against LSU, you know, I had to try to work that out with, you know, the comment section at, at Rocky yeah. top talk. So um, I think the big ones like this, you kind of find your way, to where you were when I, I remember Joel, you telling that story about a, a salesman coming to your house and trying to sell you something during the Arkansas game in 98. So, yeah. you know, you, you remember these things, even if you weren't there. Um, it, it was, again, there, there's really just no good comparison. And I, you, if people know me, you know, I love a good comparison. I was a history major, but we've reached the point where the, the national level conversations that Tennessee was in the last time they were in any of those, all of that was about the Gators and everything you did was going to be defined by, did you beat them or not? And when you did, you were on your way, 98, 2001, even a little bit in, in, uh, 03 and 04. If you beat them, you were on your way. And if you didn't, you were just playing catch up the whole time. So those crowds, those Florida crowds, uh, even the ones we didn't win 96, 98, the uh, Jabbar Gaffney game in 2000, um, Rex Grossman in 02, the Will Hoyt kick that we mentioned in 04, the one-point loss with Tebow in 06. All those games felt like life and death. If we lose this, it's done. And our hearts had been broken by those guys enough times that you kind of were protected. This was just such a different animal. I mean, we, we have not been – close 
with these guys. Uh, shout out to 2015, um, where we took the lead briefly, and then very quickly they took it right back, and then that game was kind of over. Uh, the Terrence Cody play in 2009 got got lots of uh, you know recognition here again during this game. Other than that, it's just constantly getting crushed. Coming into the game, as we joked last week, being a, a, anywhere between a 21 and a 38 point underdog. So um, I don't even really think of this as a streak until you realize you could actually do it because it was just Bama being Bama and Tennessee going through what Tennessee was going through. So. It made for a really unique atmosphere, and I think a lot of people were ready. People brought cigars and all that, but so much of the atmosphere to me in there became about the quality of the game that was unfolding in front of you, and and the still relatively unique thing of feeling like you have to score a touchdown every time you have it, but your offense can kind of do that. <laughs> And yeah. uh, it it just felt, and I told I told my wife right away when we stopped him on the opening drive. I said, "That's one, like we we should let's keep track. How many times are we stopping these guys?" And I think that's gonna in these big games. I think with Hypo, that's gonna keep being a thing of how many do we need, or not even how many do we need. What's the serve? Where are we ahead? At, at one point, when it was twenty eight to ten, Tennessee was plus two. We had stopped them twice. They stopped us once, but then they fumbled the punt, so you wiped that one away. And, man, when you're plus two in in whatever – we'll figure out what to call it – plus two in successful possessions, this team will run away from anybody, as, as we've seen. But Bama got that back. So I think a great deal of the atmosphere was the quality of the game that unfolded. And people that want to compare it to 98 Florida – when we won that game at the end, uh, that was that's a game Tennessee won because they turned them over five times. That's a game that had five years of just heartbreak and feeling like you had a team that was good enough to win every year and never even really coming close, not really, to beating those guys. And then doing it all of a sudden, there was such um, like validation in that. This game was exhausting. It was exhausting. And that the the last when Alabama was coming down to kick the field goal, I my heart was beating so fast that I, in my brain in the midst of all this I was thinking am I having a medical event? Like my heart was beating so fast. Um and I would imagine, you know, just watching it at home if you're invested in Tennessee, you got that sense too. So I, I kudos to both teams, kudos to the rivalry, all that stuff. But a lot of the atmosphere, man, was that was a dynamite football game, a dynamite football game. And one where unlike 98 Florida or some of these others, um, you can sit down and rewatch that whole thing. I know because I've done it. It's long. It's three hours and 55 minutes plus CBS's excellent postgame coverage. But um you know, you, people don't tend to sit back and watch 98 Florida. People don't watch a lot. Even 2016 Florida, you're probably going to watch all of the, the second half. Mm. But unless you just want the full prologue, you're not going to watch the first half of that game. Yeah. So it really, you know, it's 2001, 2004 Florida, those kinds of games, just such a high level. Uh, and I think that had as much to do with the atmosphere as, if not more so than anything else. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's weird because you you have to, you almost have to be a a long term Tennessee fan to really understand, to really appreciate it. Um, I'm sure there are some people that enjoyed the game. It was a big game. It was an exciting game, right? But like for instance, um, I got like a, a text from the South African friend I've mentioned several times on this uh, podcast that, um, you know, he's like, Oh, how about the Vols, Vols, right. You know, or the, the, the Vols or, you know, whatever. But, um, and, and I was like, yeah. And so I, I, you know, I sent him, uh, sent him some of the pictures of the, 
I sent him a picture of the the field being just covered. You know, you could not see green. You know, and um, and then you know the, the goalpost coming down, and uh, and he was like, you know, and. Like I said, I took him to the first game, and and so he he understood this is really cool, right? But that was Akron, right? Ball, different, Ball State, yeah. Ball, Ball State, sorry. Well, like, who cares, Same right? <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, <clears throat> so, um, you know, I don't blame him for this, but he was like, uh, he, he was, uh, he said, they they know that they haven't won the cup yet, right? And so first, you know, he's still stuck in in rugby, right? Where I guess that's the that's what you win in rugby. I don't I don't know. His wife thinks that's that's the only real man sport, by the way. So anyway, but but he says that, and I'm thinking, hmm, how do I describe this? You know, how do I explain this? And I was like. No, but we did just beat the team that won six of the last 13 national championships. You know, um, we did just get past them. We did just beat a team that has mostly crushed us for 15 years straight. Uh, And somehow it remains a rivalry, you know. So it's just... It's really hard to uh, explain to people that that have not, as Brian Cook said in one of our magazines many years ago. Sometimes you just you gotta pay the mortgage, hmm. and you know you just make a payment, you make a payment, you make a payment, and it turns into a trudge, and you do that for many years, and finally it pays off, and that day. That's a good day. And, and and as they said something else on the sports arts today, um, I think it was uh, Pennington reading a text he got from Daniel Hood where uh, he said, you know, two, two years from now when we're, when we're always good, we're not going to storm the field when, when we beat Alabama. And he said, nobody ever, uh, nobody ever storms the field at Alabama, you know, because they're winning all the time. And, and so the point is there that this is a special moment precisely because of the long agony of futility, you know? So anyway, um, I think that's what contributed to, uh, the atmosphere, um, I enjoyed watching everybody afterwards. It was, it was just a really special night, even from uh, alone in my uh, little TV room. So <laughs> um, we're uh, 40 minutes in already, and uh, we got, we've talked about one of the uh, what I called innumerable cool things about this game. So this is going to be a really long podcast. <laughs> Well, we'll see how long this uh, restream uh, program from Ukraine actually lasts. But let's talk about uh, Jalen Hyatt. First, dude's got cool hair. I like his hair. <laughs> All right. Um, so, I mean, how do you make sense of the fact that um, everybody knows he has to be the first go-to guy after Cedric Tillman is not going to play? Right. And he catches, he only catches six, six balls. He got the ball six times. That's not very much, but he had 207 yards and five touchdowns. That's a lot, (laughs) you know, I mean, that that's amazing. And, And how do you get that guy that open and that behind the secondary against Nick Saban and his defense, you know, it's just amazing. So 
Um, you know, I love seeing the picture of him and uh, what was it? Joey Kent or Peyton Manning or both of them. Yeah. I mean, with everybody, everybody wants their picture with that guy, right? <laughs> That's right. Yeah. It took him like 15 minutes to get off the field. Um, but yeah, I mean, that uh, that was a game for the ages for him, man. And and then to hear him today, uh, well, I talked to him today last night. You know, he's – whatever Hypel is is doing to those guys psychologically, um, it is working, you know, because he's like, yeah, you know, it was, it, was, uh, it was Hook finding me. It was the play calls. I was just doing uh, my thing. I was locked in and uh, had a good game and uh, getting back to work Monday, you know. Uh, but, I mean, he's going to be able to look when he – when he's old and gray and uh and only sits and talks about sports um he's gonna look back on that and say i did that man um that was a good day remember that time when i remember that time when i did that thing that was cool yeah that was a really bad imitation of the saturday night live character but you know you know what i'm talking about well so. i i just think too there's gonna come a point when and you, Daniel Hood said that Mark Nagy on Twitter had a great thread on this too of, yeah, it won't always be this way. There's going to come a time when we lose a game, hopefully not this year, but there's going to come a time when we lose a game and we are going to find ourselves tempted to say, how come we didn't have anybody wide open today? Like it's just the easiest thing in the world that we're out there doing. And, uh, it's going to be dangerous for us to assume that these parts are interchangeable to assume. I know we got Nico coming in, but to assume that Hinden hooker uh, is, is just easily replaceable. Um, Alex Golish uh, could make a lot of money right now as a head coach somewhere and not an offensive coordinator. I know Heupel is the guy, but again, we're, we're going to run into the risk of assuming that this is much easier than it actually is. Because it but, looks so easy. Yeah, I mean, these guys are doing exactly that. They make it look so easy. Uh, Hendon Hooker, since at least Tyler Bray, and and probably further back than that, when he lets it go, I just believe something great is going to happen every yeah. time. It's yep. it's like you know watching Larry Bird or Steph Curry or one of these guys where it's like when they or Chris Lofton. When they let it go, I am confused when it doesn't go in. <laughs> yeah. So, and not just Hyatt, in the second half yesterday, Ramel Keaton made a stupid great catch. He was out of bounds. But, I mean, it was an unbelievable catch. Yeah. And it was just like, well, he didn't stay in bounds. I mean, like, these guys are doing things that, again, we haven't seen around here in a long time. And, uh, Jalen Hyatt uh, to do that against the Nick Saban defense. Again, I, I wrote this in my post game. I, I, I got a 2001 LSU joke off. That's how, you know, we've, we've fully come back. But <laughs> I Kelly enjoyed Washington, that one, by the way. In, in the regular season matchup with LSU that year, it, it was like, and that was a tight game too. And Tennessee needed a first down late in that game to help put it away. I think we won like 26 to 18. It was a weird score, but we needed a first down to put it away. And there was a timeout called. And me and my friends were all looking at each other and we we're like, well, it's going to Kelly Washington. Everybody on the face of the earth knows that. And they <laughs> threw it to Kelly Washington for a first down. And like, I just, I, I am uh, amused clearly that Tennessee could just go to that same well so often against a Nick Saban defense and, and just continue to do it again. That's why you're never, it's going to be true now when we play Georgia. We're going to have to be behind by a lot before you give up on us. Yeah. And that that is, again, all of these are old reflexes. If you've been following Tennessee long enough, we had these reflexes. Used to have them. Uh, now, no matter how strong those reflexes were about we're always going to be in the game and all that stuff, I've never seen a guy have – no one's ever seen a guy at Tennessee have five touchdowns in the same game. The old record was three. He broke it and then won. 
So, yeah. um, but I mean, you put that on a list with anything. It was the Kelly Washington game. Uh, the the best compare Peerless Price in the national championship game had four for one ninety nine, and he had what is probably the most important play in Tennessee football history. Um, but that was a game with a great defense where Tennessee scored uh, three touchdowns, and one of them was a pick six, Dwayne Goodrich. So they scored two offensive touchdowns and bombs to Peerless Price, set up one and scored the other one. Like he was the whole offense. Whereas this, I, I don't know that Alabama's got a better defense than 98 Florida State, but Alabama's got a good defense. And this was like, that doesn't matter. And I mean, he just, he's running wild and free out there. Uh, and so C Cedric Tillman is going to come back and play at some point, I think. Like there's, there's just, there's so much more that I think it's, it's tantalizing what more could be out there for this offense. All right. I'm changing the topic for the next one here. So <laughs> uh, just, uh, just pretend that you're not done speaking. Well, sure. While I, I, while listen, I finish typing. What else do you want to talk about? The uh, um, at the, at the end of the game, when we're talking about the atmosphere and all that, um, I my heart was beating super fast and all that stuff. I'm sure everybody else was too. Um, and when that, uh, the, the kick, uh, I learned at 98 Florida is still true. You go back and watch the YouTube. What kick was, we sit in the North end zone, the 98 Florida kick and the chase McGrath kick, uh, were in the South end zone, 98 Florida. Cause Collins Cooper didn't miss that kick by much. And that was, you watch the watch the fans behind the goal, and they'll tell you, right? They'll know before anybody. Those fans right behind the goalpost know first if it's in or out. You see that with Collins Cooper. So I told my wife when Bama was kicking at our end, I was like, watch watch these guys right here next to the goalpost. They'll tell you, the goalpost go crazy. The kick is no good. McGrath's kick, nobody knew. And so I was like, watch the fans. Watch the fans. They'll tell you for sure. And then it's like nothing until <laughs> – yeah you see the the ball go through and then the telltale sign uh whenever anybody asks what's the loudest moment 98 florida i remember turning to my dad and saying he missed it and not hearing the words come out of my my mouth <laughs> this one when i saw that that kick was good i like collapsed on onto my wife like just exhaustion just just like collapsed and then everybody's going everywhere. My wife had her sunglasses on her head and they got knocked off. And she, you know, like grabbed me and and tried to say my sunglasses and I couldn't hear a word she said, literally. <laughs> and so like, it was this frantic, there go my sunglasses. I can't understand you. What, like it was, it was, a, it was just, uh, that's the only two times that that has happened of, I, I cannot hear these words at all. Um, so, that is yeah. so cool. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. So um, I'm done with this. So here's the new. Ah, good question. So good, in fact, that I may have chased Joel away. <laughs> well, if you're still hearing me on this podcast and not frozen Joel over there, how much better is Georgia's defense than Alabama's? Uh, that's a great question. Uh, we can try to pull up the SP plus stuff and take a look at it and see. We'd start there with, uh, have these guys played anybody yet that really jumps off the page at you? Not Auburn, right? Um, Oregon in the opener looks like such a different team now than what they were previously. So I don't know about that. Um, I would say we seem certain that Georgia's Question. defense is not as good as it was so, last year. There for a minute and gone again, perhaps. Back to just me. All right. All right. Go Here for it. Here we go. All right. So um, we were going to talk about um, – what this was the biggest win since whenever. So uh, I don't necessarily want to skip that, but let's let's uh, answer it in in thirty seconds. 
I mean, it, it, it's got to be, well, I'll let you take it since you're the history guy. It has to be 2001 Florida for now. Um, 2001 Florida, just the calendar. Uh, you had this, the swamp history there too, but 2001 Florida, that was the second, first week of December. So you knew at that point you were 60 minutes away from playing for the national championship. Obviously that didn't go well the next week against LSU. We were just closer to it. So if Tennessee loses to Georgia and then were stubs their toe against Kentucky and finishes 10 and two, I don't know that we'll look back at this and say it was bigger than 2001 Florida, but it's, it's in the conversation, uh, of, I, I would say, it is right now, it is Tennessee's biggest win since 2001 Florida, and stay tuned, it might be bigger than that. Okay, so um, Alabama was supposed to have uh, an excellent defense. They weren't quite as good as they had been in the past when they were number one in every defensive category. Uh, right. But they were still top eight in most categories. Still very good. So, stats. Am I kung fuing again? Yeah, I, I still got bit. you though. Okay, all right. So I haven't looked at the stats yet, but I I have a feeling that Georgia's defense is even better. At least scoring defense, I know is. It's they're like nine points or something. Um. So, just eyeball test. Uh, what do you think? Um. Is is are we going to have the same kind of game against Georgia, or is Georgia's defense more likely to throw up a roadblock on scoring our regular forty-five points? So uh, where I was going while you started talking about that was was good old-fashioned SP plus and trying to look at it there. And since I've looked at that previously, uh, Bill Connolly posted the um, the box score for the advanced box score for Tennessee and Alabama. And one thing he points out is um, Bama, you know, Hinton Hooker had way more time than we thought he was going to have. Um, some of that is Tennessee's offensive line being really good. Um, some of that is Bama didn't blitz as much as maybe someone thought they would. Or, again, like one good thing here, uh, and this would be true of Kirby Smart a little bit too, Bama's used to winning. So this need to adjust and do something different, take some time sometimes if you think about uh, other teams have gotten other teams have been fortunate to beat them there's a script to beat those guys multiple missed field goals multiple turnovers all that stuff AM did that to them last year but if you look at the teams like 2019 lsu but especially those hugh freeze old miss teams saban was a slow learner on those guys because those old Miss teams got them twice and almost got them a third time. Now, since then, Saban has learned, and Alabama became that, hired Kiffin, became that destructive force to do all that. But, man, if you're used to winning, you just, by definition, you trust your stuff, yeah. right? Because it wins. So one would wonder, and I think this is, a, I, I'm, I can't speak for Bill Connolly, but I think this is a little bit of what he's talking about here, is Georgia going to look at this film and say, all right, we got to blitz this guy more. And if they do, um, how will I thought our pass protection was was really really good. Um, if it sees more pressure, how will we adjust? How will we you know make those changes and do that? What we can know for sure is Georgia's defense is not as good as it was last year. And last year, you know Tennessee scored 17 points, which was a which was a feat at the time on those guys. But also, Tennessee had two drives inside the Georgia 40 that ended on fourth down in the second half of that game. So we were we were closer, especially easier for us to say now, right, now that we're number three in the country. We were closer than, than we might have gotten credit for to putting up more numbers on those guys last year when they did have a much better defense. So um, I am getting distracted on Twitter while I'm looking for this. Uh, <laughs> That's what Twitter does. That's well, that's especially right now where I'm like, have I seen this video? Have I seen it more than once? Uh, Georgia's defense is fourth in SP plus. Uh, Bama's defense is 10th, but that's in part because they just got steamrolled by us. So, um, 
you know, in the, in the realm of, uh, good defenses, so on and so forth. Um, I'm, who I'm looking for scrolling down the list is the Kentucky Wildcats. Kentucky's defense is seventh. Uh, so you might get a little primer, uh, uh, you know, here in a couple of weeks before we uh, move on to the dog. So, uh, you know, the, Kirby's a good coach. Those guys have got good players. They'll watch. I know I sound like a coach saying they'll watch the film and make adjustments, but that's one thing I'd put money on is those guys are going to come more often at, at Hendon. And how are we going to adjust from that point? One thing uh, happened them not being able to get much pressure is something that Tennessee did intentionally. Um, and it's also part of their identity is um, that they go fast, right? So there's not as many substitutions. And they intentionally go fast on second down so that if they don't make it, uh, the other team can't put in their pass rush specialists, which is what Will Anderson is. So he may have been in on earlier downs more than I thought, but I, I know that they have this special, what they were talking about, this cheetah package or something, which is their pass rush. So when they get you into third and passing situations, um, they roll those guys in, they're fresh, they're specialists, and they do what they do. They destroy you. But when they're on the sideline, they can't do that. What you got is a bunch of tired fat guys that have <laughs> failed on first and second down, right? So I don't know if Georgia does that, if they, sub if they substitute uh, an entire new line uh, on third down. Um, but that's something maybe to look for and, and watch. Well, I, I wonder too, and again, we gotta, we gotta play Kentucky first, but I wonder with Georgia when they've looked bad this year, they've been sleepy to me, you know, the game at Mizzou, even the Kent state things, that's, that's some sleepiness. Uh, those dudes won't have that problem against us. No, they won't be sleepy. Yeah. And they have not beaten us enough times. You know, this isn't Bama or Florida. We beat them in 15 and 16. We also wiped the floor with them in six, seven, and nine. So, uh, you know, they, they, they remember that stuff, I promise you, and are not taking uh, – as much as a defending national champion can do, uh, they're not taking that stuff for granted. So they, they would enjoy yeah. putting it to us very – when we're good, they would enjoy putting it to us very much because the truth is they didn't – do that at all until the old hobnail boot uh, when we were good the last time. Yeah. All right. We just got a few minutes left. Uh, so let's get to the uh, win total machine. I have uh, not looked at it myself. I know there's several entries in there already. Uh, I'm assuming that you have looked at it or, or at least more than I have. So uh, what, what are things uh, looking like for the remaining games? Especially the big ones, Kentucky and Georgia. Yeah. So the win total machine, of course, becomes less. The, the deeper you get into the season, the the, uh, the boundaries of it come in closer because you've you've got yeah. real data, which in this case is six and zero. Oh. So the first thing I looked at, it's only been on our site for a day, but the first thing I looked at before we started this podcast was where's the Georgia number, um, and I'll go back and track it before Friday to post this week again. Martin to say how have we seen the Bama number? rise over the course of, of the year. Uh, the Bama number was at 38 and a third percent going into kickoff. Um, Georgia last week was at 29%. So right now, Georgia is at 42.6%. So we've already seen a jump from Tennessee fans giving the Vols a 30% chance to win in Athens to now we're creeping up 42, 43 to, you know, getting closer to 50-50 or at least 50-50, but you're playing on the road. So um, that's the that's the big one uh, there to me. Um, I'm looking at Kentucky, and I'm looking for anything with a five in front of it. I mean, most of these are the lowest I'm seeing on Kentucky is 65%. Uh, and the average as of Monday evening at 10-15 is 75%. So fans are 
Tennessee has a seventy five percent chance to be Kentucky. Um, I'll be, you know, we're not going to learn anything. They're off this week, and we've got FCS. So as long as nobody gets hurt, we've kind of we figured out everything we need about those two teams. So I'll be curious to see where that line is. Um, but you know, at at this point, remember this thing. This thing started. We were at eight point zero three wins in the uh, in the preseason, which um, was you know in its nature, they're almost exactly a way of saying. Uh, we believe Tennessee's chances of going. We believe that eight four is the most likely outcome, but nine and three is just as likely as seven and five. So seven five was right there as like what folks believed was the second most likely outcome. Uh, you know, which seems like a long. You, you were you were chipmunk for part of that, but I'm guessing that we're basically upwards of of somewhere between ten and eleven, uh, generally right now. Yeah, so it is the the preseason conversation was eight point oh three, so is nine and three more likely or seven and five? Right now, and this is just one day. Right now, it's at ten point nine three wins. So that means it's eleven and one is easily the most likely outcome. But you've got the conversation of such a stupid sentence, which is more likely: an undefeated season or ten and two? Like ten and two is on the precipice of being disappointing. Uh, so it's just, it's just, it's wild, but yeah, that's where, that's where we're at, uh, 42.5% against Georgia, 75% against Kentucky and the rest are, you know, we would say is, is close enough to 90% that it, it shouldn't really register. So, um, yeah, we'll see. We're again, not going to learn much about Kentucky, but we'll see what we can learn about Georgia and about Tennessee before we, uh, before we get to that one in a few weeks. Yep. All right, for the audio version, I'm going to sign off. Um, this has been the Game Day on Rocky Stop podcast. Appreciate everybody uh, listening. Um, thank you for tuning into the live stream. Uh, if you did that, uh, we will uh, try to do this, the live stream, a little more regularly and maybe add some folks if I can figure out how to turn every machine off in my house before <laughs> and, and just reserve all the bandwidth to me. Um, so we may, try, we may try that uh, and we'll try to post it beforehand too. So you can actually watch it live um, and you can communicate uh, via chat. And uh, I might even post a link because apparently we can get up to 10 people on here. So if you feel like joining in, um maybe we'll even let you in if we trust you um, so we'll see um so thanks for listening thanks for watching uh and this has been the game day on rocky top podcast There's so many things about 2016. Let me start by saying this. Uh, I said this to uh, our, our old friend, Sibian Citizens on Twitter. Uh, and shout out to uh, 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 Kimberly, who was in that too, old Rocky Top Talk friends. We were talking about the game after comparing it to things. One great thing about this win and the, and the bridge back to the national conversation is at least for me and it's why i made the 2001 lsu joke in the piece is it helps me uh make peace with these huge moments that we had like 2016 florida and the hail mary next week um, and and have less bitterness about why that season didn't get us where we wanted to go because now we're where we wanted to go so um one reason the 2001 LSU loss is at the top of the mountain is we never got back to the top of the mountain. So back when you're good, like again, if you've been following Tennessee from those days, the losses hurt more short term, like a lot more, but they don't last as long because what you tell yourself is, by God, we'll get them next time. And often we did. So um, it, it was nice. Like Cordero Patterson was at the game. And Cordero Patterson is a guy that was amazing here in 2012. He was only here one year, but he was amazing. 
but he is not on a team that's going to be. I mean, that's ten years ago. This this is the ten year anniversary of Kyler Bray, Justin Hunter, Michael <clears throat> Rivera. Um, I'm going to write about that offensive line this week because our offensive line, this is the best offensive line we've had since that group, the Jawan James and Tiny Richardson and Zach Fulton and those guys. Um, but that team is not coming back to be recognized, right? But when when you're doing what this team is doing, for me anyway, it helps me say, there's Cordero Patterson. That guy was awesome. And not feel the need to follow it up with, why didn't we win more games? Like, yeah. it's cool. We'll win games now. So all that to say, 2016, now I think there's a there's a good, healthier way to look at that Florida win and the Hail Mary and say, man, those are great days. And I don't – great individual Saturdays. Yep. And I don't have to be so worried about why we couldn't get it all the way back there. So having said all that, there was still some anxiety that the second half of that season, even before we lost to South Carolina, because if you remember, we were one up on Florida, we beat them, and then we lost to AM and we lost to Alabama. And Florida was supposed to play LSU, and there was a hurricane, and they moved all of that. And so there was this, this angst of like, oh, they're cow, you know, stupid stuff that you say that you probably shouldn't say when people are trying to get away from a hurricane. Oh, they're cowards. They should play. They should play the game, you know, all that stuff. So we had some built in worry. And the other thing, too, is uh, this is why we like SP plus that 2016 team. uh, They beat Appalachian State, but they were not good in that game, nor were they good against Ohio when they won by nine. Uh, Virginia Tech threw it out because Virginia Tech fumbled six times in that game. You can't take anything from it, but like. That stuff shows up play for play, and then it turns out later on in the year when a bunch of guys are hurt that they also were not good enough to to beat or to stop, you know, Vanderbilt or South Carolina. This Tennessee team play for play is playing at such a higher level than that team. Not, not even the fact that they beat Bama, but just the way they play. I worry much less about losing to Missouri uh, or to, uh, to Vanderbilt. Now, Kentucky's a top 20 team. So I, you know, that I put that in a different category than those 2016 losses, but th- that would be your last three games: Missouri, South Carolina, Vanderbilt. You would need to lose two of those to get on the level of what 2016 was. So that's a long bonus coverage is for long answers. I'm I'm give long <laughs> answers anytime you know me, but like that's I I think that's just the main thing. I know it's a simple thing to say. Uh, I just think we're better and more trustworthy. Yeah play for play now than we were then. But yes, we should we should not take we're taking UT Martin for granted. But we definitely shouldn't take Kentucky for granted and probably we shouldn't take Missouri and South Carolina for granted. Uh, 